Alright ladies and gentlemen, this one has been a lot of back and forth trying to get it done. Obviously when you live on the east coast of Canada, you kind of don't sync up with everybody else. But finally, we got Ian Boshane on. He's sitting down to talk about his career, talk about what he's doing in the podcast world. And of course, we're going to talk about the NHL and what's going on there with our respective favorite teams. Ian, how's the day treating you? Uh, so far, so good. A little bit of a uh, gray and cloudy day down here in uh, the state of Massachusetts. But, you know, we're uh, we're closing in on what uh, what's coming up on my favorite time. Uh, we're, we're getting closer to college hockey season, and I couldn't be more excited. Well, yeah, college hockey season just around the corner. The World Juniors are also heating up. Team Canada announcing their, uh, their tryout roster today, which is great. Um, here in Nova Scotia, we actually have the... Uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League going. We have a junior hockey going as well. So we're a little bit spoiled right now in terms of the rest of the world with the COVID situation. But uh, for yourself, i got to ask the question, what sparked the interest in hockey and what drives that passion? Uh, well, I grew up, uh, obviously, in the state of Massachusetts. You know, the, the Bruins, it's the only professional hockey we got down here. You know, I mean, we have minor league hockey and you know, college hockey is obviously a big thing, as I already mentioned. But um, my dad kind of grew up playing the game as well. And, you know, he kind of just passed the love of the game on to me. Um, it, was, it was something that I was, on the, I was on a pair of skates before, I want to say, the age of like three or four, something like that. So I was involved very early on and. I grew up playing for, for 12 and a half years, and uh, once I moved on to high school, um, my high school didn't have a team of its own, so I kind of moved on elsewhere and, and started jumping into football to play, but um, I, uh, I, I got back involved once I graduated high school. I actually spent two years up in Atlanta, Canada on PEI. I attended Holland College up there for two years, um, so... It was a lot of fun. Obviously, you mentioned the QMJHL. Uh, the Charlottetown Islanders were a big thing. So pretty much whenever there was a game over at the East Link Center, I was I was over there watching hockey and, and catching as many uh, games over there as I could. And now I'm lucky enough to find myself behind a microphone uh, announcing for Division One College Hockey here in Massachusetts. So in getting the call, you know, divisional hockey for, for Massachusetts and, you know, being behind that mic, obviously there's a huge passion that goes in behind it. And, you know, I'm just a young pup and getting to do that. Um, you know, I've called one exhibition game. It was the top of the, the class of things that I've gotten to do in hockey. Um, for you, what makes it so exciting and what gets your juices flowing during a game? I know goal scoring is great and the scrums and stuff like that, but you know, during the flow of a game, what gets Ian's juices going for a game? So, calling for me is a little bit different than yourself. Um, I serve as the public address announcer, so it's a bit of a different role. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I, I consider myself a fan with a microphone. You know, <laughs> just another guy that gets that's lucky enough to sit inside the arena and, and take in all the action, game in and game out. Um, but I, I get to be the lucky one that you know that shows the enthusiasm and the excitement for 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 the home team when they score and and shows the um, trying to give a good word here it shows the lack of enthusiasm I guess to put it in a simpler terms um, as far as the visiting team and when they come in you know we're okay great we're taking those guys on you have to introduce them we don't really uh, we're not really fans of them. You know, we'll get through their lineups, and then we'll, we'll turn it over to the home team, and we'll crank our intro music. And actually, yesterday was the uh, ninth year. Uh, it was the ninth anniversary of our intro music. We used Leveled by Avicii. So when that first uh, note drops over the speaker, we crank the volume up a little bit more, and we get ready to have a lot of fun. And as I mentioned, just a fan with a microphone, and, you know, I'm lucky enough, and I get paid to paid to watch the game I love and I couldn't uh, couldn't be any luckier well you I mean it's one of the best seats in the house right I mean whether you're doing public dress announcing or as I touched on you know for myself sitting behind a mic and calling the game you get to be a part of it and you get to uh, you know for you you get to bring fans into it by setting everything up and I call it setting the mood of the ambiance of the game you know how many games have you gone to 
whether it's at you know for the Boston Bruins or for me for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you can remember whether either Mike Ross said or Andy Frost for the Leafs side. I'm not sure the gentleman on the Boston Bruins side, but Jim Martin would be Jim Martin would be the guy in the garden. There you go. So you you get the game gets set up there, right? Whether it's um, you know a big playoff game and they're announcing you know what's going on with the players or the home opener, for instance. But one thing that I've asked a lot of different people and, you know, I've spoken to, you know, the, the Ducks PA announcer in Vancouver's and Ottawa's and different ones throughout the OJHL and OHL. And now I'm going to ask you the same question. What do you do to get prepared for moments that take us out of our normal comfort zone? And, you know, I use the uh, the Paris attack as one or, you know, just different things, you know, even the Boston, uh, the marathon, you know, the bombing and things like that that people have to work through. Ian, for you, how do you get prepared to address, you know, everyone in the building? Because I will say this, when you do those public addresses, people hang off those words. It brings everyone together and it ties everything together. That's not only happening on the ice, but in the rink. And I want to know for you, how do you get prepared for that? And how do you keep your emotions in check when you're going through those situations? So, as I kind of already mentioned, right, you're a fan, first of all, for the team on the ice, but you also can relate to everybody sitting in the stands. Obviously, nowadays, with everything going on pandemic-wise, it's going to be a little bit different. There may not be as many fans, if any fans, in some of these buildings for games. But you still have to realize that, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's there to watch a hockey game. But at the same time, there's also bigger than life moments that you may have to you may have to address you may have to address the passing of a member of an organization or, or, or a lifelong season ticket holder for the team um, and ultimately it's about um, it's about showing respect for everybody in attendance and showing respect for somebody that you're honoring prior to a game and, and again realizing that while everyone's there to watch the game on hand, there are bigger things at the end of the day when you step outside of the hockey rink and, and leave the rink at the end of the night. You know, there's going to be life events that we don't have, we don't hold any control over. You may lose somebody a lot sooner than you expected, and you just have to sit back and realize, okay, you know, how would this person want to be remembered if if they were here? How would they want their name or their memory to go on amongst other fans or amongst an organization? I mean, you just take a recently you take a look out in Edmonton and Joey Moss that passed away. He was a lifelong um, staple of the Oilers organization and in the hockey community out in Edmonton. You know, look at the impact that he's left on so many people for the years that he was involved with Oilers hockey. I mean, he, he left a smile on everyone's face, and since his passing, that's all everybody wants to remember. They want to remember those positive moments, the, the moments where you could sit back and go, you know, he's making the best out of a terrible situation in life, and he's just taking life one day at a time. And, and ultimately, that, that's the attitude that everybody, I feel, should have when it comes to the game of hockey. Hockey is a game that wants to include everybody, that should include everybody. You know, we see the NHL with their campaign, hockey is for everyone during the course of the year. Every, every team holds a night. And I was actually lucky enough this year, uh, I went and saw the Bruins take on the Dallas Stars back in February. And, um, or excuse me, uh, back in March prior to the shutdown. And it happened to be hockey is for everyone night there. And, you know, it, it didn't matter whether it was someone's first game or whether it was their 100th game that they've been to at the Garden. You know, the pure joy and excitement that you like to see out of fans, whether it's your own fans or, or visiting teams that come in, that, that's what makes the game of hockey so special, is, is that it tries to incorporate everybody. And it wants to make everybody feel... Um, as positive and, and as good about themselves as they possibly can. And those are the kinds of things that I like to instill and, and remind myself when I'm getting set to make a, make an announcement in an arena um, prior to a prior to a game for something like that. 
Well, no, that's a great way to look at it. And I mean, like I said, when you're doing the public addressing announcing, you know, you basically hold everyone's emotions in your hands. You take them on the journey throughout everything. And I learned watching that through Mike Ross and watching that through Andy Frost. And I'm sure you've learned it as well through different people you've watched and, you know, just taking bits and pieces from, you know, and it's not an easy situation. Pardon me. But it's one situation that, you know, needs to be addressed and brings, I feel like it brings everybody in the building closer together for that game. I want to ask, I mean, we're talking about somber moments here and for yourself, um, what is the biggest moment that you've got to call so far and, you know, why is it the one that comes to mind right away? As far as like a more, like a melancholy moment, something that, you know, you kind of sit back and take a second look at. Yeah, either you know, the moment that you've been a part of or one that you've got to call yourself that you say, this so far is the cream of the crop. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I'm, try, I'm just trying to think of a couple of different moments. Uh, earlier this year, actually, I got, I got one. We had a, uh, there was a fan, um, I'm trying to think what what team they may have, may have been following. Um I, I can't remember the team off the top of my head, but there was a fan that had been traveling. Oh, it was Penn State. There was a member of the Penn State uh, fans, and Penn State came in to play Merrimack College this year, uh, last season, I should say, in the fall of 2019. Um, they had been battling cancer, and they actually they had they had beaten it once, and then unfortunately um, they had been re-diagnosed part of the start of the season, and they had a they had a bucket list and that bucket list included getting to see a game at every division one college hockey arena and i was lucky enough to welcome them onto the ice and they took part in a ceremonial puck drop prior to the game and i was able to be a part of that moment not only for the community but for, but for that individual you know i was i was the person that Welcome them in over the loudspeaker to North Andover prior to the start of the game, and I was able to give them their moment and, you know, allow them to be there to check off a game at Merrimack College on that on that college, Division One college hockey bucket list. And so for me, that was again, it takes you back to there are moments out of our control. There are things that you look back and say, you know, hockey's a great game, but there are things that we can't control. And that that that's probably the biggest uh, biggest moment for me so far in my announcing career. I uh, came to welcome the uh, fan from the Penn State community into North Andover to take in the game. That's awesome. That is an awesome moment. I mean, the situation isn't, but just to be able to do that, you know, and and be again control the emotion and control the way things go. That is absolutely awesome. Now you're talking about the college season coming up very quickly. Um, what are you doing in regards for prep, and what can you let us know that you know for uh, fans getting ready to watch the games and take things in? So we're still waiting on an official announcement, but there have been rumors flooding around over the course of the last couple of days that Hockey East um, is expected to announce its 2020-21 schedule um, by the end of next week. There's an expected start date right now of the 20th of November. Um, so for me right now, it's, unfortunately, there's not much that I can do as far as prep-wise goes, um, other than, you know, waiting on the official announcement. Um, once that comes out, then it's setting up my schedule and figuring out what games fall when. Um, obviously with everything going on this year, I feel like we're going to see something, um, a little bit abnormal as far as the schedule goes. It may not be just the regular Friday and Saturday nights uh, that college hockey fans are used to. I think we may end up seeing a few more uh, games during the course of the weekdays, um, especially here in New England. Obviously with the NHL not coming back until the turn of the calendar to 2021, um, you know, local television networks are probably going to be looking for some more content to air during the course of the week. Obviously, Nesson is the regional coverage provider for the Bruins in their in their games here in the in the region. Um, 
so I would expect to maybe see some more games fall during the course of uh, weekdays. And so that's something a little bit out of the normal. You, you may, during the course of a regular schedule, get a stray game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, like prior to Thanksgiving for us down here, uh, towards the tail end of November. But uh, I, I think this year with the schedule, and just to kind of get as many games in as they possibly can, I think we may see some more shifts uh, of games two days during the week. Well, it's never a bad thing. I mean, with everything the way that it's been going, being able to have anything to take in or be a part of, you know, is a huge step forward for any community. I looked, like I said, down here out east. We have a lot of things going on with hockey and different things, but I look at it as a testament to what we're doing to keep, you know, the COVID numbers low and doing the right things. So it's almost like a reward for everyone who is doing the right things and taking the right steps. So if things have to be moved to a Tuesday or, you know, a Thursday or whatever, you know, at least you know that their steps are being taken. A, things will be done safely, and B, that you're doing the right things in your community to get things back up and running to where they used to be almost not fully but used to be and those are things that we need to look forward to especially in these times because it's been pretty dark and gloomy you talked about it being gray sky there you know it's kind of been a gray sky overall of 2020 with this covid situation so i look at hockey coming back and sports in general as a little bit of parting of the clouds because it shows that we're able to keep things a little bit under control and get back to it now is it perfect everywhere no but it's going to get better we just need to do the right things, and I can say right out here on the east coast of Canada, we've done it right. We've, uh, you know, sacrificed, shall we say, and now we're reaping the rewards. So I think the same thing can be done across uh, the United States and can be the same thing done across here in Canada. So I, I hope that we keep moving in the right directions to keep doors opening instead of them closed. Yeah, definitely it's. You got you got to just take every day as it comes, and every day presents a new challenge, and that's that's how people need to address life as a whole. But especially you mentioned this year in 2020, it's it's been one dark and gray and gloomy year, right from the start. I mean, you know, you mentioned the fact that up there in, in Nova Scotia, you're getting you're getting more more games and more events to attend and. And that can kind of boost morale for people that, you know, for guys like us, we, we live and, and breathe and we make our living off of being able to attend games and, and cover games as far as that goes. But, you know, at the end of the day, and we've already mentioned a couple of times, it's about taking care of, you know, the health and well-being of everybody in, in your community. You know, everybody's responsible for uh, taking care of themselves. But at the same time, you also have to turn turn the page and, and remember, hey, I'm part of a bigger picture here. And, and, you know, this our ultimate goal of getting out of this can't be achieved if I don't do my part and, and do what do what's asked of me by the, you know, re- regional municipalities or, or state and local officials. No, 100%. And the other thing that goes hand in hand with that, I mean, obviously we said we were touching on it. You know, you look to see what's going to be happening with the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs and everything that's going on. I want to ask you, you know, being a Boston Bruins fan, I think you are anyway. I don't, I'm not stepping out of line by saying that. Oh, 100%. Okay, okay. So, I mean, a Boston and Toronto fan having a nice exchange is going to be weird for anyone to hear. But I want to ask you, you know, if the NHL comes back, they're looking at new divisions for at least this season. Do you think that should happen, or do you hope that they can stay the way they usually are and keep things to normal? Because I know you guys like beating up on Toronto, but this might be the year the tables turn there. You know, for me, I was always a fan of the older divisions, the the Northeast, you know, the Southwest, the the Pacific, the Central. And I like I like having the, the playoffs with, with the seeding going one through eight. As much as I enjoy beating up on the Leafs, as you already mentioned in the postseason, unfortunately we didn't get that chance this year thanks to Columbus. Um, but I, I liked having the, the old the old playoff formats. You know, the one and eight matchups where every once in a while you may get an eight seed like a Los Angeles Kings team that just completely runs the gauntlet and. It surprises a lot of a lot of people um, during the course of a playoff run. 
Um, but looking ahead, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see if there, if, if the NHL does make a move to put together a Canadian division just for this year. I mean, the last nine months have been, you know, a, a whirlwind. You know, you never know what you're going to get when you wake up each and every day. And, you know, I, I'm just thankful that the NHL was able to put together and, and put out a product that blew people's doors off as far as being able to effectively uh, pull it off. Zero positive COVID results in the bubbles, both in Toronto and Edmonton, respectively. Um, it's it's one of those things where I think that if the NHL has any hopes of pulling off a regular season for 2021, that, that's probably something that they're going to have to look at and say, okay, well, what's beneficial for our products as a whole here as we continue to navigate these uh, wild and crazy times. Um, obviously, the U.S. and Canada border still remains closed due to COVID uh, regulations from both uh, both national governments. Um, but, you know, we saw in the NHL they were able to do something. And they took 24 teams and put them in bubbles. But, unfortunately, when you open it up to 31 teams as it would require for a regular season, it makes the job that much tougher. Um, so with that in mind, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, as I already said, to see a, uh, a Canadian division to kind of limit travel in and out of Canada for American teams. You may get five or six teams, you know, where their schedules all line up and they just travel across Canada uh, to take on opponents up there in that division. Yeah, I, I you know, I look at this and I'll say this, I mean, Boston Bruins, they've been the Leafs' Achilles. We haven't been able to beat them. You know, they've beaten up on us in the playoffs. They've done all these different things to us over the years. And trust me when I say this, Ian, you guys are forever rent-free until we beat you in Toronto Maple Leafs fans' heads. It doesn't matter what you guys do. And I don't care what any Leafs fan says because I know a lot of them will bash me for what I just said, but it's so true. We always check to see who's hurt on Boston. We all know that Marshan and Pasternak might not be ready for the beginning of this season, and we're hoping on that for Austin Matthews in the goal-scoring race. We're hoping on that for point spread, etc., etc. So we we always check in. And, I mean, look at the offseason. All Leaf fans were talking about, about the Boston Bruins anyway, were, is Tuka Rask coming back? Hey, Zdeno Chara, maybe not coming back. There's that big giraffe gone that we don't have to worry about. Hey, who's going to protect Marshan now? Tori Krug's out of there. You know, we start thinking and saying, hey, maybe they're going to be weaker this year and it's our year. And I said it right off the hop. I think it might be. But <clears throat> I look at the divisions. I look at the border. And if they keep things the way they are, then the all-Canadian division will be great for Canadian fans. But I think at the ultimate tip of things, it leaves a lot of things unresolved because to get a Toronto-Boston matchup in that format would almost have to be done almost in the conference final, I do believe, if you're not allowing for cross-border travel to get back into a bubble situation again for when the playoffs do start. So I would like to slay the Dragon in round one if we're going to do it, um, opposed to everything building up and it be this big monumental thing in a conference kind of final battle. Because I, I think with the experience the Boston Bruins have, they would have that edge. And it'd be these young upstarts with all these, you know, gray beards that they're bringing along to join the, uh, you know, the bounty here as mercenaries to help the Leafs over the hump. But I look at things, Ian, and I look at Toronto and what they've done, and I say they're better built for the playoffs. And I look at Boston and what they've lost. And I don't know if you're with me on this, but any guy who talks about retirement or, you know, half in, half out ment mentality. I don't know if I want them on my team, and I'm referring to Tuka Rask on that one. You know, there's a lot of different leagues and different things. Like, I look at the UFC, any time that a guy talks about retiring, you know, they always say he should leave because he's not in it anymore. And I use that same mentality to guys who are talking about whether it's football, lacrosse, hockey, you name it. If you're one foot in, one foot out, you can't be. You have to be fully dedicated, and if your mind's not there, that could be a hindrance for the Boston Bruins and Tuka Rask. And that's another element that I don't think is talked about enough. I know he's committed to the Bruins and the Bruins are committed to him. But the talk and the chatter last season 
It left a lot of things in Leafs fans' minds as an open door of, hey, this may be a bigger opportunity for the Leafs down the line than we think. Yeah, you know, you mentioned it. There, there, are, there are a lot of question marks surrounding the Bruins here this offseason. Um, obviously, the big thing was, you know, Tuka Rask leaving the bubble, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and rip on Rask for leaving and going home to attend to family matters. Obviously, as we've already mentioned once again, there are things in life that are greater than the game of hockey. He felt that things at home needed to be taken care of, and you know he wasn't in the right headspace to fully commit to the Bruins during this time. I'm not gonna fault him for that. What I am gonna fault him for is that this is now the third or fourth time where the Bruins needed an absolute uh, grade-A performance from him in order to try and achieve some kind of, some kind of run and or make the playoffs or, or win a Stanley Cup. But, you know, I, I, I said it on, on my show, and, you know, I, I think it's time for Ras to go. I think that he has... As much as he can come out and say that he's committed to the Bruins and the organization, I think that at the end of the day, he's sick and tired of hearing all the bashing on sports talk radio down here, you know, the media, the fans. And, and you know this being a Leafs fan. There, there's, there's never satisfaction for a team unless they go out and they win the Cup. That's it. it. You can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. You can make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Unless you win the whole thing, it doesn't matter. You're going to sit there and you're going to get you're going to get scrutinized by fans, by media, by radio personalities. And as much as people want to say that, oh, these guys don't listen to the radio, they don't pay attention to the media, they do. Because no, no one is, you know that far above themselves to overlook their names when they appear in the headlines or, or when they when they hear their name mentioned on a radio station or something like that. I I, I think that Rask has kind of come to a crossroads here and and he's he's had it. He's at Wicks End with with media members, with the fans scrutinizing him. I mean, the Bruins have been the three cup finals obviously as you know since Rask has got has, has been here. They they were there in 2011 when he served as a backup. They were there in 2013 against the Chicago Blackhawks. They lost in Game Six. That that one still hurts. And you know they needed a great performance out of him. And as much as you want to pin it on him, there were other aspects of that game that you know you look at a team in front of them. You, you can't allow two goals in 13 seconds and still expect to win a game. And then of course it was last year as well in the 20. Uh, 2019 Cup Final, you know, against St. Louis. The team in front of them didn't play all that great in Game Seven, but still, at the same time, there were a couple of there were a couple of opportunities that you look back on and go, "Man, really wish I could have got a save out of Rask in that situation." And you know, Tuka Rask and you guys can now equate to this is kind of being viewed in the same light as Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton has been in the league now going on over 20 years, and he hasn't won a thing. Sure, he's had a couple of chances. He made it to a cup final a few years ago with San Jose when they lost to Pittsburgh in the first of their back-to-back. But, you know, until Tuka Rask finally wins a cup on his own and he's not in the shadow of Tim Thomas from that 2011 team, he's going to continue to be scrutinized. He he continues to let fans down. He continues to underperform in the biggest situations that the team and the organization need them to. And it's just one of those things where I think that if the Bruins got rid of Tuka Rask, as much as it would hurt them on the ice, I think you would see a lot more, you'd see a lot more happiness out of fans because, okay, yeah, we don't have to worry about this guy in that. Okay, that's great. But who's your number one guy? You gotta go. With, you gotta go with Yaro Halak. I mean, he was great in the Carolina Hurricane series. But what happens when you run into a team like Tampa, someone else in your division, and you're gonna see a lot of 
potentially over the course of the next couple of years with with the roster that they have put together and the guys that they have signed and and in the structure that they have they've developed there. Yara Halak is not a one is not a number one goaltender. He could be a one A. He could be a guy that you can kind of split the games forty one, forty one or, you know, however you want to look at it. He, he he he's a backup goaltender. And at the end of the day, he's not going to be the guy that leads you to the promise land. And, and unfortunately for Bruins fans like myself, we saw that this year. And until they address the goaltending situation, and they got a great kid coming up in the pipeline, another kid out of out of hockey east in the New England region, Jeremy Swayman, who played at UMaine. He's supposed to be the next the next best thing between the pipes for the Bruins. He's not ready. He's not ready to step up and. and and take over the and take over in the crease as the number one guy. He, he needs time to develop. He just signed this this off season following the conclusion of this past season for the Maine Black Bears. He's fresh out of college. You can't expect a guy like that to come in and all of a sudden be a number one goaltender in the NHL and a, and probably you know one of the top five markets as far as fans and media are concerned. He'd get ripped to shreds just like Tuca. And, that can affect his mentality down the road, and and ultimately affect his play and his sustainability here, here in Boston. No, you know, I look at it like this. I look at I look at Tuka Rask, and I can just draw a very easy comparable to uh, Freddie Anderson, Toronto, right now. You know, there's the end of this season. There were so many people wanting him out of town. They wanted to end the Freddie Anderson experiment. They wanted him traded for, you know, a top-flight defenseman or this, that, and the other. You know, you look at these guys between the pipes and what they have to do, and at least in Toronto's perspective here, Ian, I can say that the defense they put in front of Freddie Anderson was subpar. You know, it wasn't uh, the greatest thing. Now, you look over in Boston, you guys are titled town for a reason. You guys have trophies up the yin-yang. You know, you guys have won Stanley Cups. You guys have won, you know, the World Series. You guys have won... Super Bowls with the Patriots. I mean, it's expectation. So for you guys there, and I look at this for Tuka Rask, and it kind of sucks for anybody on the Boston Bruins, the expectation ceiling in Boston is so freaking high that you need to constantly be at that level or you're forever questioned. And you're right. You know, until Tuka wins a championship on his own, he'll always be in that shadow of Tim Thomas and that great run that he went on when they won the Cup. But here's the thing. Even if Tuka Rask goes and wins the Cup with the Boston Bruins, say, next season, the question mark will be still there because they'll say, how many games did Yarrow Holak get into in the playoffs? How many games did Yarrow Holak help the Boston Bruins get to X point in the season? So it still won't be Tuka Rask who did it. And there'll be so many detractors from that. You can just never, ever please everyone, which is kind of you know one of the crappy things about sports markets. No one is ever happy, even when they win. But I look at the, like I said, the expectation level in Boston just so, so high that fans there demand perfection. And if you can't give it, then you're going to get through the media sludge real quick. And you're going to have lots of mud slung at you. And it's going to be very difficult, especially on the psyche. And that's why I go back to that statement I made earlier, that if you're one foot in, one foot out, you might want to get that other foot out quicker. Because you never know what's going to be thrown your way. Now, if you want to be fully dedicated and ready to rock, that's great. But I don't think Tuka Rask is there. And I look at the Boston Bruins and I say, well, Marshan's a year older. Pasternak's still young. Bergie's a year older. You don't know what you're doing with Chara. Krug's not there. You know, you go and you sign, um, oh, man, Smith, Craig Smith. A great signing, a great underrated signing, by the way. That guy will be great for you guys. But really, there wasn't much else done to this roster, um, you know, to get you excited, to get you pumped up as a fan. You know, so the expectation level is these guys have to repeat and do what they do best, and that is win. But you look at the teams around them in their division. You look at the Montreal Canadiens. They've beefed up. You look at Tampa. Yeah, they're in cap hell right now, but they'll figure it out. They always do. You look at Toronto. They went and got gray beards and different things to try to beef up their team, and they addressed the uh, the back end a little bit as well with Bogo and, and Brody. So teams around them have said, hey, the Boston Bruins, you know, and the Tampa Bay Lightning have been the cream of the crop of this division, and now we want to be there. And, you know, the Ottawa Senators look like they're going to be pesky with what they've done. You know, Matt Murray and Toffoli, and, well, not Toffoli, um, Dadanov and all those signings, right? So 
you sit there as a Boston Bruin fan, you know, it's been so comfortable for so long and the expectations are so high. Do you start to move that bar down a little bit and understand that other teams are, A, going to get better around you, but B, that your team itself may be moving towards a Chicago Blackhawk kind of aging out? Not saying that they're going to be bad or anything like that, but, you know, those days are coming. They're not too far, far away, whether it be two, three years down the line. But you look at what they're doing in Chicago and what they had to do. I mean, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, players, uh, if all their time doesn't leave any player behind is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, you're going to get guys that are going to age out, like Achara. You know, you mentioned that Bergeron's going to be a year older. Marchant's a year older. Um, and now there are a lot of question marks. You already mentioned it. You know, there wasn't a whole lot done here for the Bruins in this offseason. Um, you know, you mentioned they brought in Craig Smith. Okay. It's a good signing. He, you know, he, he could put up points. I think he'll be a great fit, you know, on that right wing with, with Krejci on the second line. I think you'll end up dropping Charlie Coyle down and he'll become your third line center. He seems to be more comfortable playing the middle on that third line, uh, which is great. But, and you mentioned lowering the bar. As much as we don't want to do that here in Boston, I think ultimately you're going to have to look at the writing on the wall and say, you know, this team didn't do a whole lot to improve in the offseason while other teams around them got better. I mean, they lost Tory Crew, who was, who was the power play facilitator on the back end for them. Um, you know, who knows what's going to be going on with Tuka Rask. He's still, there's still been no official announcement. Um, you know, he said that he wants to come back and play, but we still don't know what the situation is there. So there are a million different question marks right now surrounding the Bruins and what's coming forward. As much as you want to look at the potential of lowering the bar, I think the biggest thing for this team is, I, I hate to use it as an excuse, the pandemic and the shutdown absolutely killed this team last year. The Bruins were the hottest team in the NHL. They were the only team to reach the 100-point mark, and they were the number one overall seed in the playoffs prior to the shutdown. And obviously with, you know, trying to come up with a new return-to-play format, the NHL was forced with trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to determine, you know, playoff seeding or this and that. And it's tough. And every, every team had to face it, I know that. And, but I, I just think it was tough for a team like the Bruins who had so much going for them prior to the shutdown to go and then sit and wait for five and a half, six months to figure out what was going to be going on, how they were going to return, if they were going to return. And then to turn around and just automatically expect them to, you know, go from first gear back to sixth gear where they were. When, when the NHL hit hit the pause button. Um, you know, that was probably the biggest killer. And then obviously, you know, losing Rask was going to affect a lot. You know, everybody was like, oh, you know, we, we support him, we stand behind him, we respect the decision, that's great. But, you know, he's the number one goaltender for a reason. I like to think that if, if Rask is there for that Tampa Bay series, you know, Maybe the Bruins win another game or two. Maybe they force it to a seventh game. Who knows? You know, I just think that the weapons that Tampa Bay had in their lineup were no were no match. And I, I think that, you know, when Yarrow stepped into the cage, it was one of those things that, okay, yeah, this is mine to run with and mine to, mine to go forward with. But, you know, there were some times where I think he even lacked a little bit of confidence. I mean, his glove hand seemed really shaky in that Tampa Bay series. Guys were beating him left and right on the glove hand side. And, you know, so there are a lot of things. I, I think eventually, and as much as it pains me to say this, I do think that the Bruins' window is it's more closed than it is open uh, going forward here. Yeah, and I mean, and I'm going to say this as a selfish Leaf fan, you know, finally, maybe you guys take a step back and let one of us uh, other Atlantic Division teams have a little bit of fun. But, you know, I'll say this. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs traded Tuka Rask to the Boston Bruins, and that was the undoing of the Leafs right there. 
Um, you know, obviously, Tukarask has done great things for the Bruins. The Bruins have done great things with him. And I mean, do I see you guys retooling and figuring it out? Of course. You're the Boston Bruins. You've done it before. And, you know, you look at the players that are still available, Ian. I mean, wouldn't a nice, cheap Mike Hoffman on a one-year deal to the Boston Bruins just, you know, wet the chops of every Bruins fan? I mean, he's out there. He's going to want somewhere to play where he can possibly win. And I know a lot of teams are cap-strapped and ready to, you know, ship players off. But, I mean, if you get a Mike Hoffman on a one-year, $1 million deal because he just wants to play and he gets to inflate his numbers with guys like Marchand and Bergeron and Pasternak and the list goes on, you know, that's great. You know, when I look at those things, I'm starting to see some of these guys aren't signed and they're going to sign bargain basement value deals. You know, and there's teams like Boston and, or not Boston, Buffalo, Ottawa, Columbus, you name it, that have space to spend and can go get these guys. But a lot of these guys are going to want to chase a trophy and what better spot to do it than the Boston Bruins? And maybe that's what Boston's banking on. Maybe they know uh, things that we don't. And, you know, they're just playing possum in the market right now and waiting till the prices settle because players will get desperate and want to play on a squad. And you look at all the players available, and there's a lot of good players that have not found home on offense and defense. So maybe the Bruins go and dip into that, get a couple guys for cheap, and next thing you know, they've retooled and they're ready to go for the season. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, as I said, there are some things that we would have liked to have seen the Bruins do. Um, I'm not. I'm not selling on this team. I, I still think that they, they will be a playoff team, regardless of how the how the season looks for them. Um, you know, they they do have their veteran leadership in Bergeron and and Marchand, guys that have been there before. You look on the back end, and you got guys like McAvoy and and Grizzly who just re-signed a, a nice deal with them. Those are going to be guys that you lean on on the back end now that. That, to me, should be the Bruins' number one defensive pairing in, in uh, McAvoy and Grizzly going forward. Two Boston University guys, so they're familiar with each other. You know, there's some good chemistry there between the two. Um, I just, there are a couple of things that I'd like to see them do. They need to, they need to continue to try and get some depth scoring because, as you've seen, the teams have uh, they figured it out. If you can shut down the top line of Bergeron, Marchant, and Parsonac, for the Bruins, you've pretty much got them all figured out. It's when teams, you know, like the Maple Leafs or or the Hurricanes, you know, they can't find ways to shut down that top offensive line. It, it turns around and it, it can bite you in the in the in the rear in a, in, a, in a bad way too. These guys can when they get going and they get hot, it's uh, it's tough to get them to slow down and and, and stop scoring. That is true. I mean, look at the dominance that Pasternak has against the Maple Leafs, right? I mean, no matter who's on the ice trying to defend against that guy, he scores at will. So that top line, if it's clicking, watch out the Boston Bruins are rolling. And that's what I mean. You add another element, like a Hoffman or something like that on a cheap, that's just another weapon to give those guys room, right? I mean, give them more space. I mean, the Boston Bruins, like I said earlier, are no slouch. They will be no slouch next season. I just see them taking a step back, and I mean... It's a shame because they built so much and they've gotten so close, but we've seen teams that have gone that way and we all know what the arch is like. The arch is you get to that pinnacle point where you either win or almost win at the Stanley Cup Final and it takes so long and it's so hard to get back to that level year after year that you see teams start going down the other side. And A team that comes to mind really, uh, really large in the picture is the Nashville Predators. You know, they look like they were built to win for years, got to the Stanley Cup final and then nosedived, you know, and, you know, not much turnover on that roster. And then they started doing the turnover on the roster. So I look at the Boston Bruins almost in the same vein, if you, if you catch what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't put them in the same category as the Preds. They do have, you know, Nashville, as much as I love Nashville and, you know, for my show, I get to chat with players, PA announcer Paul McCann, and he had nothing but good things to say about the fans in the in the market down in Nashville. I think that's a great hockey market, and we've seen that over the course of the last couple of years. But at the same time, they're they're not quite up to the same build as the market here in Boston. They don't have the same history behind their organization that this group does 
of being a member of the original six going back, you know, more than a hundred years ago. It's, you know, so there's a little bit more of an expectation for this team to be consistent and to be relevant and to be there in the playoff picture year in and year out. Um, so with that in mind, nothing changes this year. I expect Stanley Cup or bust. And it's, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, right now, if I had to put odds on, I, I the Bruins, they're up there as far as top five at, behind Colorado and Tampa Bay uh, and Vegas. They're right up there. But I, I just, they need to add a little bit more for me to feel more confidence in their chances going forward. No, 100%. Well, I want to ask you the question right out of the gate here before uh, we let you go today, Ian. I shouldn't say out of the gate. I mean, we're 45 minutes in, but I want to ask you, the Toronto Maple Leafs and their off-season additions and what they've done to this team, do you have more confidence for this squad going forward next year and maybe not in the regular season, but actually in the postseason being able to perform and do well? Yeah, I think, and we already mentioned his name once, I think bringing in a guy like Joe Thornton certainly helps. He's a veteran leader. He's a guy that's been there. He hasn't he hasn't had the chance to win, as we already mentioned, but, you know, he can he can get this team heading in, a, in the right direction. Um, it's one of those things where you look at it, right, you already mentioned some of the, some of the questions in that. Obviously, you know, you know, Freddie Anderson has, has long time had problems with the Bruins. Um, but you look at the guys on the back end, and Zach Bogosian, DJ Brody, uh, you know, Jake Muzzin, they have guys on the back end that, that can take guys and, and lock down the talents of guys like Bergeron and Marchand. So I, I'm certainly, I, I think that Toronto is, and again, as much as this pains to say me, I think Toronto is headed in a better direction than the Bruins are right now. Whoa! Um, do I, yeah, do I, yeah, do I think, you know, Toronto's going to turn around and go win a cup next year? I don't know. But if I had to put money on it, I I would put money on the Leafs winning a cup before the Bruins in the next 10 years. You just had every Leafs fan's ears perk up saying that. Because we look at the Boston Bruins as the big bad Bruins that we need to get over and, you know, to overcome much like Washington versus Pittsburgh to get to that Stanley Cup. So you saying that, Ian, gives me even more hope for this season. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, especially with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I am so sorely missing the NHL brand of hockey. I can't wait for it to get back. Um, you know, we talked about this before we jumped on the show. You do have a podcast of your own. What's the show called? What's it about? And where can people find it, Ian? Yeah, so my show, it's called, you know, as you already mentioned, it's called Title Town Takes. Uh, we do live down here in Title Town. Uh, you know, I'm 25 years old and I've seen 12 championships in the last 19 years. Um, I consider myself pretty lucky. Six Patriots Super Bowls, three Red Sox World Series, a Bruins Stanley Cup, a Celtics uh, NBA title, all in my lifetime. So I can officially say that, you know, I can die happy at some point in my life. I don't have to worry about being a lifelong fan of, like, the Cubs, who haven't seen, who haven't seen their team win in 90-something years. Um, but, yeah, so it started out as a, uh, as a show. Uh at my school with a couple of my buddies in the student radio show. And back in March, when, when the pandemic hit, we were kind of forced to uh, to change how we wanted to go about doing the show. We had some talks and wanting to turn it into a podcast format at some point in time. And the pandemic kind of forced our hands. So uh, we went about, kind of tested the waters a couple of different ways to figure out the best way of putting out a good product. Uh, we found some ways that work. And, uh, yeah, so you can find us on YouTube, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Breaker as well. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at TitleTown underscore Takes. You can follow my personal Twitter at Ian Bow B-E-A-U. Um, you know, I get a lot of ho- hockey content on there as well. 
Um, you can follow me. I, I usually I'll, I'll go live prior to the start of the games uh, when I get behind the microphone. You can you can catch me do the starting lineups and stuff is on there as well. Welcoming fans in and um, right now we're currently rolling out what we've deemed the Title Town Takes PA train. We have uh, we've dropped a couple of interviews over the last couple of weeks with uh, the public address announcers for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Ryan Mill, just joined us last week. We had a chance to talk with him. Uh, we've also talked with local radio guys down here in Boston from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, we talked to the play-by-play man for the New England Patriots and Bob Sosie. Um, and we got some other great interviews. I know for Leafs fans, tune in. We have an interview with Mike Ross set to drop uh, coming up soon as well. Mike Ross um, is absolutely awesome. So, yeah, we got a lot awesome. of great stuff. Yeah, a lot of great stuff, and uh, we also may have an interview set up with one of the uh, all-time greats in the hockey world. So I'm not going to drop a name, but um, but yeah, be sure be sure to tune in and uh, and keep an eye out for for some great stuff at uh, Title Town Cakes. Well, you know, here at Offside, we always prop up and and speak to to other podcasts and make sure we put them out there. I mean, the boys over at Habs Unfiltered, yourself as well, Ian. Every time you put out a show, make sure to tag us, and we'll make sure to pass that along to all of our listeners as well. It's always a great community, always great hockey talk going on. Ian, like I said earlier in the show, this has been a long time coming, but I hope it's not the last time coming. I'd like to welcome you back for another show when the season starts for college hockey and maybe when we get a little closer to NHL camps we can start talking about the nuts and bolts of what's going to happen with the NHL season and check in what's going on with you for the college season as well. Absolutely. I appreciate it, and I had a great time talking. And uh, all the best to, to you and, and the rest of the crew at Offsides Hockey. And, uh, you know, best of uh, best of luck going forward and, and looking forward to seeing all the great stuff you guys are putting out as well. Likewise, sir. We'll stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Have a great day. Absolutely. Take care.